0: Can we just lift up our hands and just acknowledge that God is here? You see, if we gathered here and God didn't show up, we've just wasted our time. But the Bible says, where two or three are gathered together in my name, God said, I'm going to be right there in their midst. So God is here. So let's just honor him and say, God will welcome you. It's like, how do you even welcome him to his own house? But God, we welcome you afresh into this place. We welcome you into our lives. Lord, we acknowledge that you are God, you are Lord. You are governing over the affairs of our lives. So we just open our hearts and our eyes and everything within us to you today. Lord, we've not come to meet with a man. We've not come because of an agenda. We've come to meet with our Father, the one that loves us so much that even in our mess, Lord, you still loved us. The Bible says while we were yet sinners, at the right time, Christ died for us. But the Bible says that if God did not withhold his only begotten son for us, but gave him up for us, shall he not together with him freely give us all things? So we receive all things because all things are yours. To you with the glory and the praise, O God, in Jesus' mighty name. Let the church shout aloud, amen. 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 Let's put those hands together for Jesus and let's celebrate the worship team. They do a great job here all the time we gather. And you can have your seat. If you haven't said hello to your neighbor, feel free to say hello. Be a good neighbor. I want to thank God for the privilege to be sharing the word of God with us this morning. It's a great honor when a man of God that does such a great job teaching and preaching the word in this house. I mean, every time Pastor John steps here to teach the word, you know it's going to be good. You know it's going to be balanced. You know it's going to be the truth. When a man of God like that lets you preach on his pulpit, that's an that's honor. I don't take that for granted. Please help me celebrate Pastor John. He's such a man of integrity. He's a man that is very approachable. And I thank God for what God is doing in his life. Thank God for Pastor Lanell. Thank God for Pastor Mike, Miss Sharon, and all the pastors and the staff of Church on the Rock. God is doing something good in our midst. And it's not over yet. We haven't even scratched the surface of the things that God has prepared. The Bible says, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard. Neither has it come to the minds of man, the thing that God has prepared for those who love him. But the Bible says that God begins to reveal those things to us by his spirit that lives in us. So we're seeing some of it. But there's more to come. Amen. So we're going to go into the word I'll be preaching from a topic called. The God of the hills and valleys. The God of the hills and valleys. Not a lesson in geography. I was tempted to do that this morning, but I realized that if I try to teach geography, everybody will fall asleep in the next five minutes. You probably do that. You did that in high school. So, so you know. But we're going to look in the word and have God speak to our hearts. And I trust God that God is going to bless somebody in this place today. From the speaker to the hearers, that God will bless every single one of us. So we're going to use the words hills and valleys as metaphors. For times in our lives that we have ups and downs. Because they're actually part of our lives. There is nobody in life whose life goes like a linear curve that just goes zoom all the way. No, it doesn't happen lives our lives are full of ups and downs and naturally speaking when you see a hill you know it's a hill because it's higher than all the surrounding surrounding terrain are low and this one piece is just shooting up when you see mountains it's high up there but then you also have valleys valleys are usually you know in between two hills or two mountains and when you're in the valley, it's usually a dark experience. It's those times in our lives when things are gloomy, when we don't have explanation for what is going on around us, when we seek for answers and we can't find them, when we don't know exactly what's gonna happen next. Maybe there's somebody here you don't even know how you're gonna make it through this weekend, alone, I mean, let alone l- l- the next one week or the next one month. Maybe there's a man that has walked out of your life and you've been praying that God will bring him back. But you don't know what's going to happen. Or maybe you're going through uh, some rough time in your your career. God is saying to you that he's the God of the hills and the valleys. You might have found yourself in a valley that is man-made. It was made by somebody or you made it yourself. Or maybe the enemy made it. Or maybe God made it. God is saying that even right there in the midst of that valley, I am God. He wants to govern over all your delays, all your denials, all your depression, all your desires, all your delight, all your do's and don'ts. He wants to govern over your days. That is the God we serve. So I'm going to be reading from the book of 1 Kings chapter 20. Is not a popular story. A lot of people might never have heard this story before, but I believe you're going to love it. I'm going to read a lot of verses just so we know it's from the word. I'm not just making it up. Is it okay to read the Bible in church? Okay, thank you. All right, so 1 Kings chapter 20. going to read from verse 1. It says, Now Ben-Hadad, king of Aram, mustered his entire army, accompanied by 32 kings. Every time I read that part, I always wonder how do you gather 32 kings together i mean what exactly do you tell them yeah let's go destroy that one nation israel isn't it amazing how the devil pulls all his resources together just to destroy who god is blessing doesn't it feel for some of us here today like the whole world is coming against you like there are 33 armies that are just fighting you and just making sure that you don't just get to where god wants you to get to that's the same thing that was going on in the life of Israel at this time. Now, the king of Israel at this time was a man called Ahab. He was not the most godly man. He was the king when uh, Elijah prophesied that it was not going to rain for three and a half years, and it did not rain. And the Bible says that Elijah prayed again, and it rained. He was the king when Elijah called those prophets of Baal, And he challenged them to call their gods. And the God that answers by fire, let him be God. And they couldn't. But when Elijah prayed, fire came from heaven. And rain fell after that. Elijah was a powerful man. But this man, Ahab, and especially his wife, Jezebel, they ran Elijah out of town. Jezebel said to Elijah, I'm going to kill you. And Elijah, the powerful man of God that called fire from heaven, he ran away. He ran out of town because he was threatened by a woman. Elijah was in the valley, right, at that point. Thank God God met with him. So it was this same Ahab, powerful, he thought, that received this message. 33 kings, their chariots, their armies were coming against him. If he was feeling good about himself before this point, at this point, he went into the valley. At this point, he's feeling the weight of the problems that were about to come. And they said to him, He said, He sent messengers unto the city, unto Ahab, king of Israel, saying, This is what Ben Hadad says Your silver and your gold are mine. What an audacity. He said, And the best of your wives and children are mine. I mean, what else is left? When the enemy begins to lay claim on your finances, on your resources, And then on your family, it's like, what what, what more? So that was the situation with uh, Ahab and Israel at this point. And Ahab did what I've found myself doing sometimes. I'm sure you've done it before too. Instead of Ahab taking a stand for God, instead of Ahab saying, What are you talking about, Ben-Hadad? This is the nation that God founded. These are the people of God. We're not going to just succumb to your threat. We're going to fight back. Instead of fighting back, Heab did what many of us do sometimes. We offer up compromises. And Heab said that everything that I have is yours. The nation of God... The king of that nation said to the enemy nation that I am your servant. In verse 4, he says the king of Israel answered and said, Just as you say, my lord the king, I and all I have are yours. Ahab did not stand for his family. The devil was about to take his children. Ahab did not take a stand for his children. The devil was about to take their wives. Ahab did not take a stand for his wife, for his nation. Ahab made a compromise. He said, we're going to serve you. Do whatever you want to do. Are there times in your lives that you failed to protect in prayers? You failed to protect the people that God has entrusted into into your care. I mean, what man says, well, you can come and take my wife. You can come and take my children. Ahab did not live up to what God expected of him at this time. But you see... Even though he wasn't a godly king, he was still a part of the covenant that God made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And if you know something about covenant, God does not joke with his covenant. When God makes a covenant, it stands forever. Nothing can change it. So let me take a pause from that story a little bit and tell you another side story. Now, this one is not from the Bible. I I like to learn from the littlest things in life. I want to remain childlike all the days of my life. I don't want to get to a point where God has to open the skies to talk to me. I want God to talk to me through everything that happens in life. Not trying to get any super spiritual, but even the natural things of life, God speaks through them. So one of the things I love to do is I love to coach soccer. Some people hear that, uh, you know, maybe we've played against your team or, or something like that. And I've coached my two boys. You know, my older son plays for PG High School now. Both of them are great soccer players. But I only coach the younger one now. We have a travel team. And what we do is we travel out of town. We go to Little Rock. We go to Memphis. We go to Dallas. We go to Shreveport to play. You know, and we have fun. And so my younger son on that team is the best player on the team. Not because I'm his dad, but just because he is. We played against this team. Well, actually, it wasn't my team. Another team invited him to play with them as a guest player to help them out. So, and they played against this team from um, somewhere in Arkansas. And in that game, my son scored three goals and got one assist. Soccer, you know, the one they play with their feet. The real football. And he scored three goals. Now, in soccer, scoring three goals, that's a big deal. They actually have a special name for it. It's called the hat trick. So he scored three goals and got one assist. And the next time, now my team, this time around, played against that same team. The first 10 minutes, my son got three assists. Dribbled the ball, passed the ball to one of his teammates, and he scored three goals within the first 10 minutes. And then in the next 25 minutes, my son scored six goals. I mean, this is a travel team. It's not just any team. They're supposed to be good. He scored six goals. I had to pull him out because it was getting embarrassing for the other team. So he knew how to beat this team. As a matter of fact, in one game, he alone scored more goals than the entire team scored. Than the entire opposing team. So he knew how to win. But the next time we were going to play this team, remember, I'm his coach and I'm his father. I changed things around a little bit. He normally plays the position called the striker. That's usually the one that is up front that scores most of the goals. He's played striker for as long as he's been playing since we moved to Texarkana. He's had so much success, so much goals that we lost count. I mean, coaches, after coaches, look at him and say, you're so special. You're so good. I mean, that's his comfort zone. He gets so much praises and accolades in that position. But on this day, I was not there but I made the game plan, I told my assistant coaches, I said, for the first 30 minutes, I want him to play goalie, to be in the goal. I wasn't there, but I picked up the phone and I called him I said, you're gonna play goalie for the first 30 minutes. Dad, why are you gonna make me do that? And he had the worst attitude he's ever had in his life. But you see, what he failed to understand was that I am the coach and I'm his dad. I'm not going to put you in a position where you're going to fail. I'd seen him play goalie at home. I knew he could do it. And some other things I was trying to accomplish on the team. But he wouldn't have it. He just had a bad attitude. I know you want to hear the rest of that story, right? You have to wait until the end. So let's go back to Ahab. So Ahab offered up uh, a compromise to Ben-Hadad. But like the way the devil behaves, Ben-Hadad was not going to be satisfied with that compromise. Ahab said, you can come and have my children. You can come and have the wives. You can come and have the gold and silver. The Bible says, God said, the silver is mine. The gold is mine. Well, here was Ahab offering what belongs to God to the enemy. He was not taking a stand for righteousness. He was not taking a stand for God. And every time we don't take a stand for God and we think that we're just going to make things better by compromising our standard in God, we only make things worse. There are times that uh, people here you've uh, been tempted to cut corners in your businesses and you say, if I just make this compromise, if I just cheat on this one side, at least I'll be able to balance my books. But at the end of the day, you realize that you thought, well, it was going to help you, but it didn't quite help you. Uh, There are people here that you've offered your body in order to keep a relationship that you were not supposed to be in in the first place, thinking that you're going to appease and please this man by offering your body to him. But at the end of the day, all you got was pain and sorrow and hurt because you refused to to take a stand for God. You thought if you just compromise, things will get better. They never get better. Maybe they get better for a little while, but it just leads to greater pain, greater sorrow, takes you deeper. In the valley. So Ben-Heda sent messengers again in verse 5. It says, and the messengers came again and said, this is what Ben-Heda says. I sent to demand your gold and your silver, your wives and your children. But about this time tomorrow, I'm going to send my officials to search your palace and your houses and the houses of your officials. And they will seize everything you value and carry it away. Now, suddenly this time, Ahab woke up. He said, the devil never stops. He's always going to keep coming. As long as we're still on the face of the earth, he's always going to keep coming. That's why Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulations. You will have trials. But He says, be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. So at this point, Ahab was not going to have it. And then he did the right thing. The first time... He did it all by himself. He made the decision to tell uh, the enemy king that he can come and have my wife and children and everything. He did that all by himself. But this time around, he woke up. And he decided, in verse 7, the Bible says the king of Israel summoned all the elders of the land and said to them, you know, he said to them what had happened. And in verse 8, the elders said, do not listen or agree to his demands. People of God, we need people in our lives that are going to challenge our ideas, that are going to challenge some of the things that we tend to do sometimes, that are going to challenge us when we compromise, that are going to challenge us so that our faith in God can rise up, even in times that we tend to want to compromise. If everybody that you have in your life just agrees with you, agree with whatever you say, whatever you want to do, it's okay, it's cool, you don't have the right people in your life. You need some people that will look at you straight in the eyes and say, I don't like the way you're treating your wife. That's not right. You need some people that will look at you straight in the eyes and say, you're not treating your husband well. He's a man of God. He may not be perfect. He may not have all the money that you want him to have, but he's a gift of God to you. So you need to do better. We need people like that in our life because those are the people that make us grow. Not people that just let us do whatever we want to do. Because if I am able to do everything that I want to do, I'll self-destruct. Because we don't always want to do what is right. So we need people like that. And that was what the elders of Israel were to Ahab. They said, don't listen. They challenged him. And his faith rose. One of the points that God wanted me to say, and I've been saying this weekend, is that Do not fall into the trap of isolation. One of the strategies that the devil uses, and I've seen it work over and over and over again, is when we allow ourselves to be isolated from the people of faith, from the people that love us. And if the devil is able to isolate you and make you feel you're all alone and you think it's okay, I'm all alone, he's going to win you all the time because God did not design us to live in isolation. Somebody shared a testimony with with us yesterday. They had been going through a tough uh, time, you know, at home. And there was something happening in their lives and they decided, well, you know what? We don't need anybody. We don't have to share with anybody. But then again, they just realized, no, we're coming to church. We're going to share with people. And when she came, she heard this word. She just knew that God wanted her to know that don't isolate yourself. Don't isolate yourself from the people that love you. Don't isolate yourself from the people of God because invariably at some point you're going to need somebody to lift you up. You're going to need somebody to hold your hands and tell you straight in your face that it's going to be okay. There's times that you're going to be weak and you're not going to be able to muster any strength. But a sister behind you is going to put her arms around you and tell you, brother, it's going to be okay. So don't let the devil tempt you that you can do it all by yourself. And that was what Ahab started to do in the first place. He did it all by himself. But this time around, he said, no. He said, I'm not going to live my life alone. He consulted the elders and they encouraged him. They encouraged him. And after that, the word of the Lord came. Because he chose that he wasn't going to do it all by himself. That he was going to seek wise counsel and he was going to listen to God. The word of the Lord came. In verse 13, the Bible says, meanwhile, the prophet came to Ahab, king of Israel, and announced, this is what the Lord says. Do you see this vast army? I will give it into your hand today, and then you will know that I am the Lord. God is saying to somebody today, that which is against you, that is so big, that problem, that valley that is so deep, and you don't know how you're going to make it out or whether you're going to make it out God is saying today that he has the power and the ability and he's willing to help you to come out of it victorious that's what God is able to do so God said that to Ahab I've come to realize that even in tough, time, tough times in my lives in my life and um, when I'm in the valley, the most important thing I can get is the word of God if I can just get an assurance if I can just get a word from God That it's going to be okay or that this is what you're supposed to do. I'm fine. I'm fine because I know the word of God in itself has the power to change the situations of life. The word of God in itself is able to do that if I can believe it and work it. So Ahab heard the word. He sought the word. God said it was going to give him victory. And even he didn't stop there. After he heard the first word, he went back to God and said, God, so how exactly is this going to happen? Who's going to lead it? I mean, who's going, to go, who's going to do this work? And God said, some junior officers are going to do it. He said, God, who's going to lead them? God said, you are going to lead them. You see, what changed? The first time he did it all by himself. But this time around, he consulted God, consulted people, trusted people. And God said he was going to go to war. The same one that was hiding in his basement, running away from these 33 armies, stood up and went to war. He was in the valley. Things were not going well. But because the word of God came and he chose to believe the word of God and acted on the word of God. He went to war and God gave him victory. God is able to give you victory. Even in those deep situations that you can't see your way out of. God gave Ahab victory because he did the right thing. He consulted God. That's the same thing that God wants to do to us. The valleys are usually trying times. that is also the place of growth it's also the place where God makes us get better where God brings out the best in us it is in the place where we are stretched that we grow there's no growth without stretching for those of you that go to the gym I'm not one of you you know that if you keep just lifting that five pound every day it's not going to make any difference if you want a difference to be made you stretch you do something bigger something stronger and God allows us to go through things that will stretch our faith so that we don't depend on ourselves, but we depend on him. So God gave Ahab victory. I love the man called David. This man knew everything about the valley. I mean, he had so much valleys in his life. But every single time that David found himself in the valley, he trusted God. The first encounter that we saw David in the valley was in the valley of Ella. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, he was faced with Goliath, where the entire nation of Israel was afraid and timid and afraid of this man, Goliath. David was not going to have it. David was a man that drew the line in the sand and said, well, you've been messing with the people of God. You've defiled the name of the God of Israel, but today I'm going to cut off your head, Goliath. Because he trusted God in the valley. Do you trust God in your valley? And God gave him victory in the valley of Elah. Where everybody else saw failure, David had victory. It was another encounter that David, the Bible says that David had victory. David actually became famous, the scripture says, because in the valley of salt, he killed 18,000 Arameans in the valley. It wasn't supposed to be a good place, but that was the place of his promotion. it be? that that valley that you are in right now is actually designed for your promotion? Could it be that God actually wants to bring out something in you that you did not know existed before, even out of that valley situation? No wonder David is able to say in Psalm 23, he said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because God, you are with me. He says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You set a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My corpse runs over. He said, but surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life forever. David said, I may be going through the valley, but I know something. That when I'm in the valley, I'm not alone. You may be in the valley today, but you are not alone. The devil will want to make you feel you are alone. Nobody cares. But God does. God is there with you. And when you have the God God of Israel on your side, you have the majority. When you have God on your side, you have everything that you need. So David said, I'm not going to be afraid. Not that fear is not going to come, but I'm not going to give in to that fear. Because when the enemy pushes me, he said, I know that goodness is behind me. Mercy is behind me. Even when I'm being pushed and I don't know I'm going to make it. I know I'm not going to be put to shame, but goodness and mercy are following me. That's the confidence that David had, and that's the confidence that God wants us to have. In the place of our valley, God is going to put people in your ways that also have needs. The time that when you have a need that is so big, and you don't even know how you're going to make it, and God brings people around you that also have needs. It's so very easy when we're in the valley to shut our eyes of compassion and not care about people around us. But something happened in the life of David in 1 Samuel chapter 30. The enemy had come and raided the city. His men were, uh, you know, against him. They were going to stone him. But the Bible says David encouraged himself in the Lord and he prayed and asked God if he should pursue the enemy. And God said yes. So on his way to pursue the enemies, they saw a man who was left stranded. This man had a need, but David had a bigger need, in my own opinion. But you know what David did? He left his bigger need, left it on the side, and decided to help this one man that has a need. So who's that woman? Who's that man that God is bringing your way? And God wants you to just pause and help them. Little did David know that that man that he stopped to help was the key to the miracle that he was looking for was the key to him finding where the enemy was. So because David helped this man, the man led him to the enemy and David was able to recover everything that has been stolen from him. Don't get so selfish, even in the valley. Maybe you don't have much, but guess what? The little that you have is a big deal to some people. Maybe all you have is a word of encouragement. Maybe all you can do is pray for somebody. Maybe all you can do is tell that sister that, you know what, God loves you. That may be all they need. Most of the time we think God wants us to move mountains when all God wants you to do is to give a cup of water. When all God wants you to do is to invite someone over for dinner. That's all they need. So never close your eyes. Even when you're in your valley. So after God gave Israel victory, um, a, 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 God told um. Ahab, that even though you have victory, you need to strengthen yourself. You need to strengthen your relationship with God. You need to strengthen yourself because the enemy that you defeated is not going to go away, he's going to come back. That's the way the devil works. The fact that you had victory one time doesn't mean that you're able to just rest on your laurels and say, Well, everything is good now. Money is in the bank now. I bought the house now. You know, the car is good. The children are good. So I'm just going to rest. I'm not going to come to church. I don't have to serve God. You know, I pray whenever I feel like no. You can't do that. When things are going well, when you're on the hill, when you're on the mountain, that's actually the time to strengthen yourself because you know the enemy is coming back. He's coming back. So God told him to strengthen himself, and he did. And at the same time, when God was strengthening Ahab, uh, someone was advising the king of Aram, and that man said to the king of Aram, he said in verse uh, 23, he said, you know what? The reason why um, we lost to Israel was because their God is the God of the hills and not a God of the valley. So let's attack them on the plains and we're going to win. That's what they thought. But when God heard that, God was mad. (laughs) God said to Israel, he said, because the enemy said, in verse 28, he said, because the enemy said, Or the enemy thinks that the Lord is the God of the hills and not the God of the valley. I would deliver this vast army into your hands. And you will know that I am the Lord. We will know that I am the Lord. The reason why God wants to give us victory is not just because of ourselves. It's so that we can know that he is God. So that we can know that when we are weak... He makes us strong. When we're weak, then we're strong because His grace is sufficient for us. So don't think you have to have everything all lined up. You have to be perfect all the time. Even in the little strength that you have, when you take a step of faith, God meets you in the middle and He takes you to where you ought to be. So the enemy thought that God only walks in good times. And I've seen the devil do that. I've seen the devil think that way. Because in the book of Job... The devil said to God, he said, God, do you think Job was serving you for nothing? The devil questioned Job's devotion to God. And he said, Job is only serving you because you've you know, blessed him. You've surrounded him with so many good things. You know, if you take away all those things, Job is not going to serve you. And God said, okay, have at it. But you can't kill Job. And the devil attacked everything that Job had. But even in that situation, Job was on the mountaintop. When the enemy attacked him, he came right straight to the bottom of the valley. But even right there in the valley, Job did not deny God. But rather he said, though he slays me, yet will I trust him. Say, God may kill me, but I'll still be trusting in him. Is God that to us? That when things don't go well, when things don't go right, we still see him as God? Three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were being thrown in the fire, and the king gave them an opportunity to just escape by bowing down, by compromising on the standard of God. And they said, you know what, king? We're not going to bow down because we know the God that we serve is able to save us. He's able to deliver us. But even if he does not deliver us, we're still not going to bow. So you know what? We're not going to be scared. Our lives mean nothing to us, but we want to serve God. Those are the people that recognize God even when they're in the valley. So the question is really not whether God is the God of the hills and valley because he is. The question is, how do you see him when you are in the valley? How do you see him when you are on the mountaintop when things are working? Because how you see God is what's going to ultimately determine what your experience is going to be like. Whether you experience the best of God or the enemy is able to take advantage of you. So the next time Ahab went... They went to battle against this king again, and God gave them victory. Now, Ahab was getting used to success. Things are really, really working for Ahab right now. And Ahab made the same mistake that many of us have made, or maybe some people are making right now. Ahab forgot about God. He forgot the God that gave him success. He forgot the principles that gave him the victory in the first place. So that when the enemy came uh, to him and they lied and they just kind of tricked him, Ben Hadad sent his servant to him and they went to him and they said, Well, uh, let him live, let Ben Hadad live." And uh, Ahab said, Well, is he still alive? I said, Yes, he's alive. Said, oh, let him come. He's my brother. I'm like, Excuse me? He's not your brother. He was the man that wanted your wife, your children, and everything that you had. He was a man that God wanted you to destroy. But at this point, things were going well for Ahab. He did not need to consult God anymore. He didn't feel the need to talk to anybody anymore. As a matter of fact, nobody could talk to him. He got it. I mean, success is good. But you see, every time there's success, every time you're proficient at something, every time there's promotion, there's always pride hiding around the corner. And that pride is all aimed. that's just taking us down. If we allow, allow the pride of success to come in, then it takes our focus away from God. That was what happened to Ahab in this story. He was in the valley. God gave him victory. Brought him to the mountaintop. I kept him up there. And at this point, because he would not consult God to make a treaty with the king uh, of Aram, God came to him through a prophet. And God said to him, why, why did you do this? And because you did this, it's going to be your life for his life. All the successes that he had experienced, he just went down to drain because he refused to acknowledge God while he was on the hill. Are things going on well in your life? You need God. We need God as much on the valley On the hill as we do in the valley. We must never get to a point where we think we can make decisions all by ourselves without consulting God. We end up messing things up. But God is a God of many chances. It doesn't matter how many times you've messed up. It doesn't matter how many times I've made the wrong choices. Every time I come back to God, God is always saying, you're forgiven, son. I will take you out of that valley and take you to where you need to be. I'll take that sickness away from you. I'll give you that victory. I'll give you that clarity of vision. I will help you. And that's one of the things that God is saying to us this weekend. He's saying, I'm here to help my people. No matter where you are, God is saying that he's here to help you. Whether you're on the mountaintop or you're in the valley, God is saying to you, don't stop praising him. Don't stop acknowledging him. When you're on the mountaintop, remember you did not get there all by yourself. You didn't bring yourself that success. You worked hard. I know you did. But God ultimately gave you victory. You didn't heal yourself. I know you went to the doctor. But God ultimately was the one that healed you. You didn't save your son. I know you prayed. But God ultimately was the one that helped you. So why do you think now you can do without God? We need him. The times when I get in the valley. I have songs that I go to to encourage myself and to help me keep my focus on God. One of them is a song by Yolanda Adams that says, this too shall pass. He said, like every night that has come and gone before it, this one too shall pass. You need to look at some situations in your life and say, this too will pass. This too will go. Because God is the God of the hills and the valleys. And he's right there with you in your situation. We want you to strengthen your faith in him, strengthen your relationship with him, and keep on walking. David said, do I walk through the valley of the shadow of death? I, I like the fact that he didn't say, do I stand in the valley? Say, I'm walking through. I'm just going through. I mean, things may be hard, but I'm not stopping. I'm going to keep on going. Whether things are good or not, whether I feel successful or not, I'm just going to keep on going. That's what you need to do. You need to keep on going. And as you keep on going, you see God going with you. I'm sure you've been waiting for the end of that story. I'll tell you what happened. Now, this is not like uh, Hallmark movies that my my wife likes to watch. They always end well. This one didn't end quite well. My team lost that game. Not because we couldn't beat them. I mean, we scored 12 goals against them the game before but because our best player had the wrong attitude and he did not fix his attitude. So he, as a matter of fact, he started yelling at his teammates during that game and he kind of infected everybody with his wrong attitude and we lost that game. And when they told me how we lost the game, I wasn't mad at him, I was actually very happy because he saw that his father put him in a position that he wasn't comfortable with. And he himself naturally created a valley for himself that I'm not going to be successful. I'm going to fail. I can't do this. But he learned his lessons. Now he, know. now he knows that whatever position your father allows you to be in, that's the place you're going to find success. But you have to have the right attitude. And when you have the wrong attitude, unfortunately, you can affect other people, you can cause your family team to lose. But that loss was nothing because it's still gonna we're still gonna play many games and it's still gonna win. But that lesson that I learned that trust your coach, trust your father, he has your back. God used that to teach me. You know, for the past about two months now, I've been mean, going through some changes in my life, work wise And there are times that I think, oh, why is this happening? But God used that experience to tell me, trust your coach. My God is my father. He's my coach. If he allows me to be in a situation that is stressing me out a little bit, that is not comfortable a little bit, it must be that he has something good come out of it. If God allowed you to get into that position that you're in right now, it's got to be that he can bring something good out of it. So trust your coach. Even if you happen to lose on the surface the work that God is doing on the inside of your heart, that's the most important thing. You may not win every battle, but when God is able to do what he wants to do in your heart, you're victorious. You may appear to be losing on the outside, but you're getting better on the inside. And when it really matters the most, that strength that God has built on your inside is going to rise up. And God is going to be glorified. Praise the Lord. Let's put those hands together for Jesus. As we rise and the worship team come, let's rise. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I don't know what God has spoken to you through this message. In the past two services, I mean, quite a number of people came. There was a young man that came to me last night. He said, he came to church saying this was his last time in church. He said, but God spoke to me. You know, a number of other people as well. It's because God cares. He doesn't need us to do everything. He has done all things well. He just needs us to embrace him and be obedient to him. So why don't you close your eyes and pray to God. And just talk to God. No matter what God has spoken to you, I want you to respond to whatever it is that God is speaking to you or has spoken to you through this message. we're going to be inviting our prayer team to come to the front and whatever it is that you need someone to agree with you on they will be here to agree with you the Bible says one shall put to flight a thousand and two ten thousand whether you're on the mountaintop or you're in the valley you need someone to agree with you they're going to be here to agree with you and trust God with you for victory maybe you just need someone to just wrap their arms around you and tell you it's going to be okay they'll be here to do that too But the most important thing we'd like to do is for those of you here that have never given your heart to the Lord. Or maybe you used to know the Lord, but you turned your back on Him. And God brought you here today. It's because He loves you. He wants to restore you. He wants to give you a new beginning. He wants to take you out of the valley of unbelief. This morning God spoke to us that there are people in the valley of decisions. And God wants to help you to choose right. I was born a Muslim. But on one day, just an ordinary day, August 15, 1993, I went to church by the invitation of my sister. And God, the man of God made a call like this. I can't even remember anything that he said in that message. But I remember raising up my hands. And that Muslim boy gave his heart to Christ. And I've never been the same. I have not been the same since that time because God makes all things new. God wants to make you new. If you're here and you're not born again, you don't know if you die today, if you're going to heaven or hell, find your way to the cross. We'll be glad to pray with you. God is going to save you. He's going to deliver. He's going to give you a new beginning. And everybody else, if you need prayers, prayer team come forward. We're going to worship the Lord with one more song. Just come let somebody agree with you. Let's worship God with one more song and Have a wonderful week. Father, we thank you for your word that you've spoken to us. Lord, let this word become real in our hearts and our lives. And we trust you. We declare that this God will be our God. You will be our guide all the days of our lives. Amen. Come forward, let somebody pray with you if you need to.